He's pretty funny. Well, if you guys have your Bibles with you, open up the book of Deuteronomy. And we are going to continue to talk about Moses' last words to the children of Israel. Uh, They're just getting ready. Brand new generation has come. Brand new generation headed to the promised land. Moses wants to instill in them the things that will keep them from failing. Now, don't we feel like that as parents? Because most of us, by the time we start having kids, and as our kids begin to grow, we would like to spare them uh, the dumb decisions we made in life. Right? Well, it's the same way Moses is. He's, He's saying, listen, guys, I want to tell you where your fathers tripped up, where I tripped up, where I struggled, the things I had a hard time with, so... So that you, at least, at least I fulfill my obligation to you. We can't make the choices all the time for the next generation, what they're going to do. But in Ezekiel, God says, listen, Ezekiel, I have called you as a watcher on the wall. And your job, Ezekiel, is to sound the trumpet. If the enemy's coming and you don't sound the trumpet, their blood is on your hands. You didn't fulfill your obligation to the people but he said if you go your job is just to sound the trumpet if they don't hear if they don't listen if they don't abide their blood's on them you fulfilled your responsibility i think in a lot of respects god calls us as watchers on the wall when we're raising up our own children that we at least share with them Give them the information they need to make the right decision. We're not going to be able to make it for them all the time. But at least we've done our part. Moses, as the leader of the nation, is saying, Man, I so want you guys to succeed where we failed. And so in chapter 13, he says, Listen, I want you guys to have a firm grasp on what is your foundation for truth. And that's a question we still have to answer today. What's your foundation for truth? In the world, the world will tell us there's no such thing as absolute truth. There's no such thing as something that's always true. But the Bible says Jesus Christ is absolute truth. That his word is absolute truth. All the time. So as we take a look at what Moses is saying to the people, he's going to say, listen guys, I want you to realize if you're going to build the foundation, you need to build your foundation on the word, what God's word says. And he's going to give them some warnings. And honestly, if people listened to the warnings that Moses gave, we probably would have no cults in the world. There would be pretty solid orthodoxy across the body of believers if they appropriated that which God gave to the people, the children of Israel, through Moses. This is your foundation. What do you use to decide right from wrong? A lot of people, they use their experience. Other people, maybe they use signs or wonders. But Moses said there's only one thing that can stand the test for a foundation of truth, and that's the Word of God. Chapter 13, he begins his phrase by saying, If there arises among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams... And he gives you a sign or a wonder. So he's laying off. Now, 
Basically, that the word if that's being used here is, carries the concept of when. When a prophet arises, when a dreamer of dreams comes. But he wants you to realize not every prophecy is of God. Is everybody okay with that? And not every dream is from God. A lot of times I'll have a dream and I'll wake up and I'll think, Lord, what did that mean? And sometimes God tells me, and sometimes he says, it's a pepperoni on the pizza. You know, it's not always God in every aspect of everything that we experience. He says, if you want to know where something's coming from, then you're going to look at it in light of your foundation of truth. What is true? If this prophet comes, or a dreamer of dreams comes... And the sign of the wonder comes to pass of which he spoke to you, saying, Let us go after other gods which you have not known, and let us serve them. You will not listen to the words of that prophet or the dreamer of dreams, for the Lord your God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. He says you're going to test him based on whether or not he's following God's word. God's word is a test. Our experience is not the test. Experience lies. I told my football players, experience will lie to you every time. Coach, uh, last practice, I was so wiped out. I could not even take another step. I was so tired. That's as far as my body can go. Uh Uh-uh. Bet me. Watch what I do to you today. And I I learned some of that from experience. Because in the Marine Corps, they don't even want to hear any of that. They, your body will do double what you think you can do. Oh, I'm sure I'm dying any minute. No, actually, you can go quite a bit further than that. You can go quite a ways beyond what your experience teaches you. But there are some people who their relationship with God is built upon their experience. What I experienced. Listen, what you experience is very important, but it's not your foundation of truth. If what you experience lines up with the word of God, we're on solid ground. If what you experience doesn't line up with the word of God, I'm not saying what you experienced wasn't of God, but it certainly cannot be that which guides your decision because it is not a foundation of truth. It's an experience. This prophet or dreamer of dreams comes and he tells you something's going to happen and it happens. This is the example that that Moses is given. It happened, but he goes against what God's word teaches. Then you need to stay away. Because God's word is the foundation of truth. Now, in a world today, people would say, yeah, but, you know, which which one of God's word? The, The King James Version? Or the, or the NIV, or the NASB, or the NLV, or the, any other that you can imagine. People actually think that all those are different. Well, they're different language, and some of them take a little more freedom than others, but the bottom line is, it's all the Word of God. It's all based on the same uh Texts that we're that we're pulling that stuff from it's not different it's not changed 
And then people say, well, what, what's, what, what does God's word mean? Listen, this is one of the reasons it's important to study, to show yourself approved, a workman of God, rightly dividing the word of truth. Because within the, the Greek text is transmitted exact thought. So if you do due diligence, you don't have to wonder or lean into what does this mean to me? How does this make me feel? You can know. You can know. But the Bible also tells us do do the due diligence, right? If I go to someone else all the time to find out what does this mean, now I'm having his this person's interpretation of what it means or that person's interpretation. I can know the solid truth if I'm willing to do the work. I can know it. I can know it. I don't have to be I don't have to be fluent and speak Greek. I just have to be willing to do the work, to understand the concepts, to apply those things in my life. We can spend our life, guys, looking for an opportunity to be spoon-fed the truth. But you understand that that's how a nation is deceived, right? When they're spoon-fed the truth. That's how the church in times past, when the church was corrupt, that's how it held the power over the people. You can't know what the Bible says. You can't understand it yourself. The Holy Spirit can't reveal it to you. You've got to come to me and I'll tell you what it says. But what, is the, what, is the, what does our foundation of truth say about that? That the Holy Spirit will guide us, teach us. That the Holy Spirit will lead us. That the Holy Spirit will show us what's real. We can follow that. We can put our faith and trust everything we are. We can put into that and allow God to do a perfect work. Listen. He says, if this dreamer of dreams, what he's saying to us is, don't base it on, don't base your foundation of truth on a sign or a wonder. I got a friend of mine, Dennis Zek, he came by here one time. Dennis can make you think anything happened. He can, you know, do things that boggle your mind. He can do these card tricks where you're pretty sure there's no possible way he he, you can, he can have your card. And then he cuts open an orange and it's in the orange. That's pretty amazing. That's a pretty good trick. And one of the things that he purports, or one of the things that he talks about is, I can use this and then once I got your attention, once you're thinking that I'm doing something, I can tell you anything and you just want to buy it. He said... The foundation of truth is the word of God, period. The foundation of truth is the word of God, not your experience or how something makes you feel. Whether you get a burning in your breast or not doesn't make any difference. It's what's the word say, period. What does the word say? He says, if this guy does this work and something amazing happens, great. But I want you to realize that those things come into your life and the Lord is saying, do you love me? Now, keep that phrase in mind, because it's going to be important in a, in, in a moment as we take a look at some more uh, sections in Scripture, and that is this. Is it enough for God to tell you to do something? Is that enough? Or do you have to know why? Does it have to make sense? Does it have to fit within your understanding of what's true and what's reality? Or is it enough that God said it? So the Lord said, hey, there will be false... God, why don't you wipe out all those false prophets so nobody's led astray? 
Because I want to know, you really love me or not? If you really love me, then you're going to know me. If you don't know me, then you're going to stumble, you're going to fall, you're going to falter. You have to have that desire to make God that central figure in your life. Look what he says in verse 4. He's going to... He's going to put together that total concept of what keeping the law is all about. You will walk after the Lord your God and fear him and keep his commandments and obey his voice and you will serve him and hold fast to him. Now remember I told you, I used to read that and get all tripped out. Oh, I'm supposed to keep his commandments and I I have a hard time remembering his commandments. How am I going to keep them? But what is the, the Lord's commandments? Love me with all your heart. Cling to me. Serve me. Be with him. Make him central. That's what it means to obey his commandments. Making God central. And he emphasizes that point here. And then he says in verse 5, But that prophet or dreamer of dreams will be put to death because he has spoken in order to turn you away from the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt and redeemed you from the house of bondage to entice you from the way in which the Lord your God commanded you to walk. So you will put away the evil from your midst. You got to cut it out. You got to take it away. If you went to the doctor and the doctor said, you know, we did our physical and we found that you just have a little bit of cancer in you, but we're not really worried about it. We're just going to leave it there. But doc, if we leave it there, is it going to grow? Yeah, it's going to grow. How many of you guys be okay with that? Oh, sure. Sounds good. God's word says that we're to cut that stuff out. Separate ourselves. God's people were to be separated. Now listen, holiness is speaking of being separated from something to something. You guys with me? From the world, from the kingdom of darkness, to heaven and the kingdom of light separated unto him. So if someone is coming and trying to dissuade you from the truth, then you're not to follow him. But listen, guys, there are several, several cults and isms that base their eternal situation, where they're at, where they're going to be with the Lord, on a prophet known to be false, who has spoken things that didn't come to pass, or spoke things that did come to pass, but are pointing away from the word of God. Those two things keep you out of all trouble. There's no such thing, guys, as another testament. No such thing. It's just another, uh, another way for a man to lead people astray. Who was actually pretty well known for doing that. Or... To, to put your faith and trust in a, in a group of people that put out a magazine that at least 10 different times have said when the Lord's going to come back and been wrong all 10 times. But I'm going to put my eternal soul in their hands and say, I believe everything they say. I'm going to say their interpretation is the correct interpretation. And I'm going to follow them. But the word of God says, if a prophet or a dreamer of dream rises up and takes you away from the solid foundation of truth and the word of God, then you're supposed to kill him. We can't do that today. 
But you can kill him in your life. That means he's not the, having influence over you, in you, through you. That you're not opening your door to them and hearing what they have to say and pondering all those things because you should know that this is a person coming from what Deuteronomy chapter 13 says is absolute truth, false prophet, someone trying to lead me astray. The Lord says, if you love me, you'll hear my words. But they're such nice people. Nobody said that they weren't nice. Some of them are great to talk to, and gosh, I would really love to spend eternity with many of them. But they're putting their faith and trust in a false prophet. And that's not okay. Because it leads you down a path, ultimately, of destruction. That's why the Lord said, wipe them out, cut them out. They need to be removed from among you. Now, the nation of Israel, understand this, the nation of Israel... Please listen, never did this. What happened to them? You remember the book of Judges? We talked about it. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Who was supposed to be the king? God was supposed to be the king. In those days, there was no king in Israel, and everybody did what? What was right in their own eyes. Really? Is your eyes your foundation of truth? How does that work in our world today? Because today... The world would tell us that everyone needs to define truth for themselves. How's that working? You should call the folks in Tucson, see how they, how they feel about one person's truth. And how that affects other people's lives. Well, the reality is, there's only one truth. There's only one thing upon which you can base everything you're going to do. And that is upon the Word of God. Trusting in the Word of God. Listen, here's what Moses wants the people to see. Remember I told you, Moses' final words. He wants to lead this new generation. He wants them to know, miracles and signs are never a foundation of truth. Miracles and signs are never a foundation of truth. It never works out. You guys remember Elijah, right? Elijah is a pretty awesome guy of the Lord. God used him in a lot of ways. He was on top of Mount Carmel. I had a chance to go to the top of Mount Carmel. You can see all of the Valley of Jezreel open up below you. And there on, on Mount Carmel, he had a contest with 400 priests of Baal. 400 priests of Baal. He said, we'll build two altars and we'll pray. You pray to your God. I'll pray to my God. Whichever one answers by fire from heaven, he's the truth. Seems reasonable, right? So he said, you guys go first. And they built their altar. And all day long, they danced and they called and they prayed. And Elijah poked fun at them. He said, maybe he's in the the bathroom. You can't reach him right now. Maybe he's busy. Maybe he's sleeping. Finally, Elijah said, okay, it's my turn. You guys go sit down. And he went up and they dug a trench around that altar. And they poured water on it. And they filled the trench up with water. And the, the wood was wet. And everything's sopping. And he prays, and fire from heaven comes down, takes the sacrifice, the altar, the water, poof, gone. That's a pretty amazing sign, isn't it? Do you know what happened? Nothing. Nothing. You mean there wasn't a great revival in the land? Nope. Because the people, the bottom line, guys, people don't need a sign. 
They either believe the truth of the word or they don't. You know what did happen? Elijah killed all those false prophets. And the first person he ran into was Jezebel. And what she had to say? By this time tomorrow, I'm going to make sure you're dead. What? Did you not see the fire come down from heaven? Don't you know that that's a true God? I just told you and showed you and proved to you the truth. Did she care? No. Because her truth was her own. That's not true. That's not true. We've got to have that foundation of truth in the word. Okay, that's why we're always going to put a high emphasis on the word of God. We're going to teach verse by verse, chapter by chapter through the entire Old Testament. Oh, Jackie, that's so hard. No, it's actually pretty easy. We're going to go through the whole Old Testament. We're going to go through the Old Testament prophets. We're going to go through the whole New Testament. And when we get to the end, guess what we're going to do? We're going to go right back and do it again. If I live long enough, we'll go through the word a hundred times until Jesus Christ comes back or takes me home. That's how we're going to do it. Because if I'm going to make the word of God a foundation of truth, I need to know it, don't I? I need to know it. That's what he's saying here. Guys, you need to know. You need to understand. You need to trust. Now, look at verse 6, guys. This will be hard. Think about the, the, the difficulty in applying this. If your brother... Or the son of your mother, your son or your daughter, the wife of your bosom, or your friend who is as your own soul, secretly entices you, saying, Let us go and serve other gods which you have not known. Neither you nor your fathers are the gods of the people that are all around you, near to you or far off from you, from one end of the earth to the other end of the earth. You shall not consent to him or listen to him, nor shall your eye pity him, nor shall you spare him or conceal him. Moses said, listen guys, sometime in your history, it's going to be your own son who comes to you. It's going to be your own daughter. It's going to be your own family. It's going to be your best friend. And he says, I want you to know that you can't treat that any different. You can't treat that any different. You're supposed to cut off all of those relationships that are going to be a weight or a sin that so easily ensnares us, right? Isn't that what the word says? Cast aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares you. If this is a relationship or something that is going to stop me from moving forward with the Lord, God says, who do you love? Do you love me or do you love this whoever this person is yeah well obviously jackie i love my son obviously i love my wife obviously i i love these people well how am i supposed to to do this in a practical sense you love god then obey him follow god's word put your trust in him well then what do we do how do we do this how do we apply what he's saying you got to let the word of God rule in your life over your experience or feelings. The word of God is true. The word of God is true. Well, <clears throat> listen, the word of God's going to cover all those special instances, right? For example, the word of God tells us for a husband and wife not to be unequally yoked together with an unbeliever, right? But the Bible also tells us, which is our foundation of truth, right? 
If a man and a woman live together, they got married, one of them got saved, and the other one's not saved, if he or she will have you and stay with you, what are you supposed to do? Stay with them. That's our foundation of truth, right? So we're going to apply the word of God in those situations. But Jackie, he's, he's caught up in some other false religion. It's what the word of God says. That you, by being in his presence, Paul would write, are a sanctifying fact in, factor in his life. You are an example of light in his life. You are an example of the truth in his life or her life. And as long as they will have you, you should stay. Because that's the situation you find yourself in. That's what I'm saying. We apply the truth of God's word to those difficult areas in our life. And then we say, it's not about how I feel about this. It's about what's God's word say. He says, stay. When I, when I cling to God in that situation, I say to him, I love you. Because I love you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to obey. I'm going to do what your word says. I believe it. Because when I, when I do what God's word says, I'm showing I believe what God's word says, right? If you don't believe, you won't do. So we want to have that attitude that says, listen, even God's word says, I need to deal with that in the same way. I need to deal with that within my family and, and, and I need to deal with the relationships in my life, a godly principle. Jesus said, I did not come to bring peace, but what? A sword. For uh, um, the, the battles that a man will fight will be in his own household. Father against son, mother against daughter, uh, man against brother. All these relationships would be tested by Jesus saying, are you for me or not? If you're for me, then let your, let your colors be clear. When someone looks at you, they shouldn't say, I wonder if he's saved. I wonder if he knows the Lord. It should be clear. If it's not clear, and it's not always about perfect performance, it's about, am I clear about who I am? Dude, are the lines clearly drawn in my life? Are there certain things that everybody knows? I'm not going to ask Jackie to go do this because he's going to say no. He's not going to do that because this is where he stands. I know where he stands. Do you know, do you know where you stand? And have you made it that clear? And that, that that clarity can be within your family. We're not doing this. We're not doing that. This is where we're going. Come on. I shared last week, my kids never asked me about changing schools or doing something else on Sunday or Wednesday. Long as they've breathed air, they've been at church Sunday morning, Sunday night, and, and Wednesday night. Except for rare occasions when when they had something going on with school or something else, but otherwise they were there. So it's just having that thing, clarity, clarity, holding to the truth, the foundation of God's word. Verse nine, look what he says, but you will surely kill him. Man, that's hard. You will surely kill him. Your hand will be the first against him to put him to death. And afterward, the hand of all the people. Do you understand what he just said? He said, your hand will be the hand that casts the first stone. That should remind us of something. Doesn't that remind us of a story somewhere in the Bible? 
When Jesus had a woman caught in the very act of adultery, was there any question about her guilt? None, right? She was guilty. The whole concept of casting the first stone is a concept that says, listen, my testimony is absolutely true. I am testifying by casting the first stone that I am standing on absolute truth, that this is a true statement, a true thing that ought to be done. And not only was that person to throw the first stone, but then all the people were to say, we're very clearly standing with the Lord in the area of this, in this false prophet. We're very clearly standing with the Lord. They never did it. And what happened to them? Now today, obviously, guys, I'm not talking about going around and killing all the false prophets. We, we're not going to get very far that way. What is it that, that the word of God, how does the word of God guide us today? Jesus said, either you are for me or you be clear. Where do I stand? Where do I stand? Not some mishmash in the middle. Listen, if the world thinks you're in some kind of a religion that sits in the middle and accepts everybody, they'll never bug you. You understand that, right? And if the world doesn't bug you, there's probably a problem. Because Jesus said that the, the servant is not greater than the master. They hated me. What will they do to you? They'll hate you also. But be of good cheer, for I have what? Overcome. I have overcome the world. Stand with me. It's okay. Stand with me. Stand on the Lord's side. Stand with him. Stand and say, listen, I certify my allegiance to you. Now, for the nation of Israel, in the context of this scripture, this is how they were to do it. What about in the context of our world today? Is there a way for you and I, for us to stand and and declare our allegiance to God in the world today. Now I know for myself, I was hesitant often to make those kind of stands in my life. Because I was afraid of offending someone. But I never once considered how that looked to my Heavenly Father. Who said, I am not afraid, Jackie, to be called the God of Jackie. I'm not afraid to be called by your name. Are you ashamed to be called by mine? Or will you stand? When people, when the Bible speaks of holiness, it's not this religious attitude that people get, you know, where, oh, I'm so great. No, that's not what it is. Holiness means I've separated myself. And I say, I am here. This is, this is where, what's okay with God. This is what is his foundation of truth. This is where I live. That's holiness. It's not has nothing to do with, with what you wear or how you walk or how many times you pray a day. Has everything to do with are you separated from the world and to God? Is he central? Is he a big part of your life? Verse 10 it says, And you will stone him with stones until he dies, because he sought to entice you away from the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Today, are we willing to remove any influence in our life that would seek to lead us away from relationship with God? 
Are we willing to, to make that delineation in our life? It doesn't make us better than anybody else. It's just, are you willing? For them, the Lord has brought it to the point where, would you, would you slay your own son who has gone after other gods and seeks to bring you after other gods and says he's speaking for God, lying and trying to entice you to a false god? He says, I want you to cut him off from among the people. He's gone. Now, are we willing to do that in our life? Or are there things we say, oh, you know, the Bible says... That, that all things are, are, I'm free. So I'm going to leave all these things in my life. What did Paul say? <clears throat> What's our foundation of truth? All things are lawful, but not all things what? Edify. Not all things are good. Not all things draw you closer to the Lord. Are you willing to make your colors clear? This is where I stand. This is who I am. This is this is where and how God is directing me in his word. In verse 11, he says, So all Israel will hear and fear, and not again do such wickedness as this among you. God says corporal punishment works. Funny, huh? So, if you hear someone in one of the cities which the Lord your God gives you to dwell in, saying, Corrupt men have gone out from among you and enticed the inhabitants of the city, saying, Let us go and serve other gods, which you have not known. And you will inquire and search out and ask diligently. And if it is indeed true and certain that such an abomination was committed among you, you will surely strike the inhabitants of the city with the edge of the sword, utterly destroy it, all that is in it, its livestock with the edge of the sword. And you will gather all its plunder in the middle of the street and burn it with fire. The city and all its plunder for the Lord your God. It will be a heap forever and will never be built again. Now how is it that God looks at these false gods or false prophets or people that try to entice people away? Remember, Jesus had a phrase for folks like this that would teach one of his little ones to sin. You remember what it was? It would be better for them to put a millstone around his neck and be cast into the sea. The Bible in the book of Proverbs tells us there are certain things God hates. This is one of them. One of the things that God hates. People that would lead, teach, or draw other people to sin. To fall away. To fall away from the truth of what God has said. So none of the accursed things will remain in your hand. That the Lord may turn from the fierceness of his anger. Show you mercy and have compassion on you. Multiply you. Just as he swore to your fathers, because you have listened to the voice of the Lord your God to keep all his commandments, which I command you today, to do what is right in the eyes of the Lord. How did that thing go in Judges again? In those days, there was no king in Israel and everyone did what? What was right in his own eyes. But what is it that Moses is saying? Do what's right in whose eyes? That should be what governs us today. Hey, we're not going to run through the streets with stones in our hands, stoning everybody we see that is of a different religion. But what we are going to do is make sure that people in our realm of influence know who I am. This is who I am. I'm not that. I'm not that. I'm this. I have my foundation of truth is the word of God. 
And when I am wondering whether or not I should do this, I'm going to do what's right where? In the eyes of God. That changes a lot of things, don't it? I'm going to do what's right in the eyes of God. That's what he's looking for, an attitude of a heart that is totally, utterly surrendered to him. Remember, we, we started in the beginning. Our, in your foundation of truth, what is it? What is that which you say, well, this is how I know something is true? Because the best scientific minds in the world say it. Can they not be wrong? Last I checked, Nebraska man happened. You guys know about that, right? Best scientific minds in the world took a pig of a tooth, or a pig of a tooth, a tooth of a pig. Let's turn that around. And created some kind of Cro-Magnum man, called them Nebraska man because it was found in Nebraska, and they built this whole system on what he ate, how he lived, what his tribal life was like from a tooth. Only to find out later, it was a pig's tooth. How many times they got to be wrong? According to the word, they only got to be wrong once for you to know, I don't know I want to put all my faith and trust in what science has to say. Now, a lot of people would say, that's an archaic view. What are you talking about? How can you even say such things? Well, folks, I don't know where you're at on it, but science and the Bible don't say the same thing. You know that, right? Oh, but come on. I mean, the, the science very clearly tells us blah, 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 blah. The science has been doing that garbage for the whole period of human history. What do you mean, Jackie? You're, you're the craziest guy I ever heard of. I think we ought to take you out and stone you. <clears throat> oh, okay. Let me read something for you. From the papyrus of the Ebers from 1552 B.C. Okay. Scientific wisdom at its height at the time of Moses. Okay? Scientific wisdom at the time of Moses. The Bible says Moses was taught in the best ways, the best that that Egypt had to offer, right? So I promise that the best scientific minds of his time, he was taught these things. Okay? If you're getting gray hair, here's how to prevent it. Well, I I, I should listen. I I may want to make this a new... Shampoo, you tell me how you think it'll do. To prevent, to prevent your hair from turning gray, anoint it with the blood of a black calf, which has been boiled in oil, or with the fat of a rattlesnake. Think it works? Hmm, I don't know. If you're losing your hair, when it falls out, here's one remedy. Apply a mixture of six fats. The fat of a horse, the fat of a hippopotamus, the fat of a crocodile, the fat of a cat. Now you know there's something you can do with all them cats. The snake and the ibex. To strengthen it, anoint it with the tooth of a donkey crushed in honey. Now, I promise you right now, I could call and somebody somewhere will make this and start a new hair club for men. Scientific, scientific at its best. A special hairdressing for the Egyptian queen Shekish consisted of equal parts of the heel 
of an Abyssinian greyhound, date blossoms, a donkey's hoofs boiled in oil. The choice preparation was intended to make her royal hair grow. It didn't work. Here was their best that science had to offer at the time of Moses. Here's what you do when you get a splinter. Okay? This one you guys can decide on. Here's what you do if you get a splinter. Embedded splinters should be treated with worm's blood and donkey dung. So if you get a splinter, smear worm's blood in it and go find some donkey poo and just rub it all over the splinter. How do you think that's going to work? It's interesting because that particular type of dung is loaded with something called tetanus. Which is why so many people died of lockjaw after trying to cure a splinter. I think I'll put all my hope, faith, and trust in science. They've never been wrong, right? And a little over 200 years ago, how did we kill George Washington? We sucked all the blood out of him because everybody knows that the disease is in the blood. And if we take it all out, he'll get better. How'd that work out for George? I think I put all my faith and trust in science. Because, you know, the best minds, that's what they came up with. Interesting. 2,000 years before that, God's word said, life is in the blood. And when we take a look at just the word, the things that God said. Now listen, when God told the children of Israel, these were things God gave to the children of Israel. He didn't give to us. This was the law that he gave to them. And when they followed that law, at the same time that the greatest minds in the world were saying, this is medicine. Everybody with me? Well, these are some of the things that they found out. The Black Death of the 14th century, that's that black plague that was uh, from the fleas on the back of the rats that were running around that nobody was taking care of because in the cities, their sewage was right there in the middle of the city. But God's word said not to have your sewage in the middle of your city. It was always to be outside of the city. So they practiced that simple law that God gave them. As a result... Jews so universally escaped infection that they were accused of causing it. Because that's the only reason for them not to be sick. Cholera, dysentery, typhoid were completely avoided. Then in about 1950s, they discovered that cervical cancer in Jewish women was almost non-existent. Because of one simple little thing that they did to the guys. Anybody know what it is? Circumcision. Circumcision. Because they were circumcised, there was certain things that they didn't carry and didn't put within, uh, within their wives, and that kept them from getting cervical cancer. Hmm. When did God tell them about that? Oh, you know, 2,000 years ago. 3,000 years ago, actually. Time of Abraham. 3,500 years ago. 
That's when God laid those things out. What about when God told them to circumcise? What day did he tell them to circumcise the children on? Eighth day. What happens magically on the eighth day? That's the time when vitamin K is at its highest within the infant and his blood will coagulate and he has natural, the highest point of natural pain tolerance that he'll ever have in his entire life on that day. Gee, how'd they figure that out? Well, because God's word is true. True. But God's word says that the Lord created the, the heavens and the earth and all, all this was created in six days. That's the dumbest thing I ever heard of. We all know that this rock is 800 billion years old. I haven't met anybody 800 billion years old yet that can tell me they saw that rock. Have you? It's amazing too because the incredible circular reasoning that they'll use. How did you date that rock? The geological table. How did you date the geological table? We just figured that that's how old that rock had to be. Really? You think I'm crazy? Look it up. But, but, where are you going to put your foundation of truth? Is it going to be God's word? Are you willing to do things that are right in God's eyes? But God never told the children of Israel why they had to be circumcised. It's just a benefit from obeying God's word. God never told them why to, to circumcise the children on the eighth day. It was just a benefit of obedience. You guys understand what I'm saying? Is it enough that God just lays it out? Is it enough that that's what God's word says? Or do we have to have all the whys? Do we have to know all that ahead of time? Chapter 14, he begins, You are the children of the Lord your God. That's an important statement, by the way. You are the children of Yahweh, literally. You shall not cut yourselves, nor shave the front of your head for the dead. Now, don't let somebody try to tell you what that means. Nobody knows. All we know is that that was part of uh, the way that they would worship. There was a cult at the time of Moses all throughout the, Canaan, the, the Canaanite lands that worshipped the dead. And that was part of what they did. Whatever their hairstyle was, whatever, however they cut their face, however they scarred themselves. He says, listen, just don't do it. You are with me. If you're with me, be clear. If you're with them, be clear. What, how, Jesus said it another way. I would rather you were hot or cold, just not what? Lukewarm. What's lukewarm? What marks lukewarm? I'm standing in the middle. I don't really want to make a decision either way. I'm just hanging out on a fence. How's that work out? Uh, uh, God says, I will vomit you out of my mouth. That's bad. Anybody here want to be vomit? No? So, he says, I would rather you be hot or cold. Decide who you are, where you're going to stand. For you are a holy people to the Lord your God, and the Lord has chosen you to be a people for himself, a special treasure above all the people who are on the face of the earth. Listen, this is an important promise to me. And I'm going to tell you why. This is a promise he made to the nation of Israel. You know the very cool thing? He makes the same promise, or very similar promise, to the church. 
How do I know he'll keep it? Because he kept it to them. In, in Romans 9, 10, and 11, Paul said, God's not finished with the nation of Israel. He is still going to keep his promise. He is still going to set them apart. Even though they failed, even though they stumble, even though they fall, even though only less than 10% even, even acknowledge Judaism anymore. He said, I'm still going to fulfill my promise that I made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I'm still going to do it. He'll still do, keep that promise for you and I. What is that promise? You're a special treasure. Didn't we talk about that Sunday morning? You are the inheritance of his riches. You are a special treasure to God. And he wants, he wants you to know that. Also, that God has a special plan for you. Oh, now God doesn't have a special plan for me. Yeah, for you. I mean, he's called you and a few other people, but he didn't call me. Or, oh, yeah, he did. God has a plan in your life for you. His own special treasure his own special plan he wants to work in your life and he says now i'm going to tell you what not to eat i want you to notice unfortunately i scoured the scriptures and there's no mention of broccoli or cauliflower or peas anywhere in here i'm still looking if i find a verse that says thou shalt not eat that's it there will not be another vegetable in my house ever you shall not eat any detestable thing. That's the closest I've come. <laughs> By the way, to no broccoli, peas, cauliflower, lima beans. <laughs> <laughs> Preach it, huh? <clears throat> These are the animals which you may eat. The ox, the sheep, the goat, the deer, the gazelle, the roe deer, the wild goat, the mountain goat, the antelope, the mountain sheep... And you may eat every animal with cloven hooves, having a hoof split in two parts that choose a cud among the animals. Now, we can get crazy. And I've been tempted to get crazy a couple times. And we can try to spiritualize this. Or we can say, is it enough to obey for God's people? Was it God saying, Are you real, do you really believe? Well, then here, let me give you some rules. Will you follow them? Why do I have to follow the rules? You know, I tried that in the first day at boot camp. You want to know how that went? I come up and, and we're all standing on these X's. And somebody's screaming and hollering. But I had learned a long time ago that when my dad screamed and hollered, I had to get this look on my face like, I can't hear nothing you're saying. I just went to my happy place. And I was in my happy place, standing in line. And eventually I come to this chair. And the barbers in the Marine Corps are hilarious. So they say, hey, would you like a haircut? Now, I wasn't paying attention to the kind of haircuts everybody was getting. So I'm thinking, I don't really think I need a haircut, but you take a little off the side if you want. He'd just laugh at me. I didn't know it was a joke until I sat down. The next thing I felt, actually he said this, do you have any, I should have knew, do you have any moles on your head? I don't know. As far as I know, I've never seen my head before. He said, if you have any moles, put your finger on them. wonder why he wants me to do that. Because the very next instant, he takes these things that they call shears. I probably use them on sheep. And he put them on my head and he went, 
And that cut cleaned down a couple layers below the skin. All the hair gone. So much for a little trim. So much for... Now, I could say, why'd you do that? Excuse me? Don't really care what you think. You signed that paper and lifted your hand. I'm going to do whatever I want to to you. You are a science experiment now. (laughs) But going through that process really helped me realize, you know, on a serious note, that when God's word lays something out for me, like the dietary laws for the nation of Israel, and we all want to sit back and know why. We see that the nation of Israel was healthier. We see that they were better. But I'm not sure that's why. I I think a lot of the reason is God saying, listen, I'm here to instruct you. Will will you obey me in these little things? Because it's not a big deal, is it? Do you eat this different from what everybody else eats? It's an easy way for people to see, well, you're different than everybody else because you eat differently. I don't know. I don't know. We can spiritualize and talk about chewing the cud, like chewing on the word. That's a good thing. Yeah, but I'm not sure that's what God means. I think what God means is don't eat that. Eat that. Will you obey me? Pretty simple test, right? Because he said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments and they won't be burdensome. My, my drill instructor said it like this. You may not ask why. Or I will put my foot in your mouth. And you won't ask anything anymore. Okay. So when they said run five miles, I didn't say why. I ran five miles. You know what happened? I got to be in pretty good shape. I know rounds of shape. I didn't look like this. And we did all kind of crazy things. They told me at the end, they said, when you finish boot camp, I would be able to tell you, go over there and and commandeer a plane at the airport and bring it back to me and you'll do it. And I thought, there's no way I'll do that for you. At the end of boot camp, it's a good thing he didn't ask. Because I'd have went. Because all the things that I experienced during that time prepared me for the really horrible things you'll see when when you have opportunity to serve your country. Because sometimes your country calls and you go a place you don't want to be. And people you don't even know are trying to kill you in all kind of different ways. And in that situation, when the man who's in charge says, run over there, he doesn't want to explain it. He just wants you to do it. And you need to just do it. When I see how that works in the in the real world, not that that's my foundation of truth, but I understand when God says, here's my dietary law. You say that, that you're going to come be my own special people. I'm gonna, I'm, here's, how, here's how I'll know if you're my own special people. Will you obey me in the simple things? You can eat all of these, just don't eat that. It's pretty easy. It's pretty easy. Our rebellious nature says what? Hmm, I, I want pig. When I went to Israel, you know what I wanted more than anything else? Bacon. Oh my gosh, if I could have got some bacon. There's no bacon in Israel. (laughs) As far as I, I couldn't find it anywhere. And I usually got a pretty good nose. I couldn't find any bacon. The point is, it's a simple thing. Will you obey me in the simple things? 
Will you follow me in the simple things? You're my own special people. Will you follow me? Now listen, today we know that the, the dietary laws have all been lifted, haven't they? I mean, Jesus had the sheep fall down before Peter, said, Peter, rise, kill, and eat. Peter said, not so, Lord. I've never eaten any of these unclean things. And Jesus said, don't call unclean what I have cleansed. It was lifted. That was done. But the simple fact of the matter is there are things that God calls us to that he might not tell us why. Don't be unequally yoked together with an unbeliever. Why? What's the difference? If you believe me, if you trust me, then you'll obey me. Then you'll, then you'll keep that foundation of truth and move forward with it. Well, he goes on to say, Nevertheless, of, these, of those that chew the cud and have cloven hooves, you shall not eat such as these. The camel, the hare, the rock hyrax. That's good news. That's rock chuck. You didn't know rock chuck was in the Bible, did you? I, I didn't know either until I went to Israel and we w- walked up on this rock and sitting on top of this rock was a rock chuck. And the fellow said, that's a, a rock hyrex. I said, a what? He says, yes, it's, it's a coney. It's actually related to the elephant. I said, we got a lot of those in Idaho. We shoot them like crazy. They don't shoot animals in Israel, so they got lots of rock chucks. So, you know, you're not supposed to eat a rock chuck. No rock chuck tacos. Also, the swine is unclean for you because it has cloven hooves, but does not chew the cud. You shall not eat the flesh or touch the dead carcass. These you may eat of all that are in the waters. You may eat all that have fins and scales. Whatever does not have fins and scales, you will not eat. It's unclean for you. God just said, I don't want you to eat it. I don't want you to eat it. No big deal. Just this is you're my special people. And this is how I would like you to live and be my special people. Different from everybody else. This is what I want you to eat. These birds you may eat, but these you will not eat. The eagle, the vulture, and the buzzard. Anybody had, got hungry last time they saw a buzzard? Ooh. The other day we were hunting duck and an eagle flew by. Never once did I think about eating him. The duck, on the other hand, I did think about eating them. <clears throat> These, the red kite, the falcon, the kite, and all their kinds. Every raven, I don't want to eat one of those either. The ostrich, the short-eared owl, the gray, or the seagull. I don't want to eat them either. And the hawk, after their kinds. A little owl, screech owl, white owl, jackdaw, carrion vulture, fisher owl, the stork, and heron after its kind, and the hopo, whatever that is, and the bat. Also, every creeping thing that flies is unclean. They shall not be eaten. You may eat all clean birds. That's anything that wasn't listed as unclean. You shall not eat anything that dies of itself. Okay. You probably thought that that didn't need a law. But I have discovered you need lots of laws for things you didn't think you needed laws for. No eating roadkill. If you come across roadkill, you probably shouldn't eat it. It looks fresh. Probably a bad idea. Don't go buy the roadkill recipe book and try it out. It might be not a good thing. Don't eat roadkill. But here's the funny thing. I thought this was hilarious. I don't want you guys to eat it, but, but uh, you can give it to the alien who's in your land. <coughs> and he can eat it. Let's get Mikey. 
uh, or you can sell it to a foreigner. But you are a holy people. I don't want you to eat it. And you shall not boil a young goat in its mother's milk. That's where the whole kosher thing came from. The idea, no milk products with meat products. I'm not sure that's what was meant, but that's how they, they, they took things you know, to that extreme. We have a way of doing that. What's God simply saying? I want you to be different from all the other people in the land of Canaan. Okay? Get it, get it in your mind. All the other people, they ate whatever they wanted to eat. They did whatever they wanted to do. Everything was the same. And God says, I don't want you to be just like everybody else. I want you to be different. I want you, I want, the, I want them to see you and say, why do they not eat this? And then come ask you, why don't you eat this? And you can say, wow, the Lord our God, he's laid out these things for us. And you, God's people, his own special people, would be able to introduce the Lord to them because they were obedient to God's word. Not because that made them holier, they floated on the ground, their feet didn't touch, or they were healthier in every aspect of their life. It just meant they were different from everybody else. They didn't look like everybody else. And the people outside would ask, why? That's how they became a light to the Gentiles. What happened was they got so full of spiritual pride that they did all these things that God laid out that they said, oh, oh, we're good, you're bad. Does that say that anywhere in here? He says, listen, if you're going to be my people, be different. We do the same thing in the church. There are things within the church that we that we maybe we cut out of our lives. Maybe you, you you cut out drinking or smoking, or maybe you cut out gambling. And I'm not saying that you have to do all those things. I'm just saying maybe you did. Maybe the the spirit of God spoke to your heart. You cut those things out of your life for you. That was a weight, and you're living your life differently. But if you start saying I'm better than that person over there who does all those things. I'm better than that guy that I see laying in the gutter, totally drunk. I'm better than him. No, I'm not. I ain't no better than him. I'm a sinner saved by grace. And he needs to know the grace of God. And I'm willing to tell him the difference between him and I because I don't see myself as elevated above him. But the nation of Israel began to elevate themselves above all the people and they thought... Everybody else was wood for the fires of hell, and we're good. And that's not the case. Remember we said spiritual pride, it's it's sneaky how it comes in. It's sneaky, that legalism. It's sneaky. Because at first I'm just doing these things so that I can be very clear in my stance with the Lord. But as soon as I look at my brother who doesn't do them, and I say, what's wrong with you? You're not as holy as me. What? Last time I checked, how many of you guys can touch the stars? Yeah, me neither. Oh, guess we all fall short. Huh. We all fall short. We want to understand it's for an opportunity to reach out to someone, not for an opportunity to exalt me by what I do or what I don't do. That's what the foundation of truth tells us. That's a lesson we learned from the nation of Israel laid out for us in the book of Deuteronomy. He, he tells us more. You shall truly tithe in all the increase of your grain that the field produces year by year. And you will eat before the Lord your God in a place where he chooses to make his name abide. 
the tithe of your grain and your new wine, your oil, the firstborn of your herds, your flocks, that you may learn to fear the Lord your God always. God called the nation of Israel to tithe. Tithe just simply means a tenth. Give a tenth. Give a tenth to God. Why? It's a little thing. I just want you to give me a little back of what I've blessed you with. I'll keep blessing you. God's promise to them was, if you tithe to me, I'm going to make sure that you don't fall short and the devourer isn't going to eat up your bank account. Now, for them, it was grain. Think about what that's like, okay? Some of you may understand better than I did at the time, but you have this pile of grain. Now, some of that grain I got to keep and eat, but whatever I keep and eat, I can't plant. But before I do any of that, God says, take 10% out of it and come to my house and we're going to grind it there and you're going to make bread and let's eat together. And give that Thanksgiving that says, thank you, Lord, for the provision. And remember that God was a part of why you have that grain. Why you have what you have. That's what it was for. And so that God says, same thing, same thing. For the, we're, who are we talking about here? The nation of Israel. This is what I want you to do. This is how I want you to do it. I want you to bring this in. Come before me. In verse 24, but if the journey is too long for you, so you're not able to carry the tithe, or if, I, if the place where the Lord your God chooses to put his name is too far away from you, uh, when the Lord your God has blessed you, Then you will exchange it for money. Take the money in your hand. Go to the place which the Lord your God chooses and spend the money there uh, for whatever your heart desires, for oxen or sheep or wine or similar drink, for whatever your heart desires, and you will eat there before the Lord your God, and you will rejoice you and your household. So if it's too far away for you to carry a tenth of your grain, then sell a tenth of it, take the money, come buy an oxen, sheep, something, come set down in God's house, And rejoice with what God's given you. Count the blessings. Count the beauty of what God's laid out for you. Again, why do we have to do that, Lord? You're my own special people. You're supposed to be different than everybody else. People should see that there's a difference between you and I. Will you come? Will you follow? Will you obey? It's a little thing. Really, it's a little thing. It's a little thing. Make your colors clear before the Lord. He goes on now, and he lays out in... uh, I don't want to skip. I almost went into chapter 15 for you. Uh, He goes on, verse um, uh, 26. And you shall spend your money for whatever your heart desires, and that you shall eat before the Lord. You will not forsake the Levite who is within your gates, for he has no part or inheritance with you. Remember, the tithe went to the Levite. Levites, that was God's people. They, they took care of the Levites. Their inheritance was the Lord, and they were to provide for the Levite. At the end of every third year, you will bring out the tithe of your produce and store it up within your gates. And the Levite, because he has no portion or inheritance with you, and the stranger and the fatherless and the widow who are within your gates may come, eat, and be satisfied that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hand, which you do. Last thing he said, every third year. Why every third year? Because God said every third year. Every third year, bring your tithe, set it in this place, so that the Levite, the widow, the fatherless, the orphan, that they can come and, and they have food. That's part of 
the process that God had in place for people that were poor. He had a plan for the whole deal. The point as we look at this is Moses is laying this out for the people is God's calling us to be different. He's not calling us to be just like everybody else. He's calling us to be different. And that the difference is because we follow his word. We made an emphasis on what God's word teaches. And we're going to follow and obey God's word. And when people look at us and say, why do you do that? You can say, because I'm following what God's word says. And you now have become a light to someone who doesn't hold that the word of God is his foundation of truth. Amen? Why don't you stand with me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we thank you for this time. As we gather before you, Lord, we pray, Father, that you would truly give us eyes to see. Help us to receive the truth of your word and and to make right application, Lord, and to realize, God, you call us to know the whole counsel of God's word. What you taught in the nation of Israel and how that applies to us today. And why you're, you're directing us and calling us to the things you're calling us to now. To be willing to say, I want to be known as someone who follows God's word. Father, it's our prayer that that would be our desire, to be known as someone who will follow God's word. That that's my foundation of truth. That that is what I want to hitch my wagon to. And say, this is where I'm going, where God directs. I want to be known as someone who follows him. Lord, we pray, God, that your spirit would drive your truth home in our hearts tonight. As we seek to honor you in all we do, we give you all the praise and the glory for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to close on a word of worship. also want to let you know, we have root beer floats. What I love about root beer floats, besides the fact that not everywhere when it's 10 degrees can you get a root beer float. (laughs) But we never run out of root beer floats. I always can make it out there before they're gone. So... Look forward to to getting to spend some time in the fellowship with you guys. God bless you, and go in peace. You are grown above the head. There's no creation all before you. You are crowned with strength and glory. Angels cry and hold.
Lord, you are a holy God. Lord, forgive us for all those times, Lord, we stood before you, Lord, and we were lukewarm. Lord, uh, and we didn't stand in your word. Lord, forgive us, Lord, when we claimed to be yours, Lord, and we walked far from you. Lord, uh, we want to be called and known as yours. Lord, we want to stand in all that you set before us, Lord. Help us to be men and women of your word. Lord, that we would read it, that we would place it upon our heart, Lord, that we would not sin against you, Lord God. Lord, go with us as we fellowship, Lord. Bless our time together. Lord, and just uh, teach us, Lord, that we would just be clay in your hands, Lord. That we would just empty of ourselves, Lord. That you could pour into us. Lord, we want to pour out our praises upon you. Lord, go with us now in Jesus' name. Amen.